Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we recharge your brain with weird and wonderful science. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this special hydrogen greenwashing edition, we examine power stations partly fuelled by fuel made by solar power stations. There's no fuel like an old fuel. But first, here's news of American injustice. American justice lies, steals, cheats, and kills. Journalist Julian Assange published evidence-backed stories of the murder of unarmed civilians by American soldiers. The US Justice Department paid a witness to lie in court, which he's since recanted, stole Mr. Assange's legal documents, surveilled his every waking moment, including legally protected conversations with his lawyers, and they tried to kidnap and murder him. New evidence published by Yahoo News was obtained from conversations with 30 former US officials. The new evidence shows that under President Trump, the Justice Department with the CIA had detailed plans to kidnap and murder Mr. Assange whenever the opportunity arose. When it looked like the time was getting close, they pushed forward the extradition charges to cover themselves from the public fallout of kidnapping or murdering an Australian and Ecuadorian citizen who had been granted political asylum due to fears the Americans would try to kill him, on the grounds of an Ecuadorian embassy on British soil. It would also prepare the ground if the kidnapped prisoner was brought alive to American soil. The American Department of Justice is instructed by law to be a model litigant, both in the national cases and internationally. The American government was embarrassed by the publication of a video called Collateral Murder, which showed American remotely piloted drones shooting unarmed civilians, including journalists and children. When the Americans were caught doing this again in 2021, they still denied it for nearly a month before claiming that after 48 hours of studying and planning the raid, it was an innocent mistake. The soldiers who murdered the civilians in a war crime have never been prosecuted, and neither have the officials who covered up for them. Mr Assange was given political asylum by the Ecuadorian government because American politicians had already threatened to kidnap, torture and murder him. At the time, the Swedish government was demanding that he go to a Swedish prison cell in solitary confinement for questioning over sexual allegations without any charges actually being laid against him. The Swedish government have a history of disappearing people who've been accused but never charged, and some of those people have been sent to the Americans to be tortured. While Mr Assange was in the Ecuadorian embassy without internet or phone access, WikiLeaks published some leaked documents, called Vault 7, revealing how the CIA had exploited security holes in computers and phones by not telling anyone how to fix them, making the whole world more in danger from criminals. 
By 2017, the CIA had advanced scenarios planned for kidnapping and murdering Mr Assange, spearheaded by former CIA Director and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. One former senior official told Yahoo News that around the Ecuadorian embassy, it got to the point where every human being in a three-block radius was working for one of the intelligence services, whether they were street sweepers or police officers or security guards. Mr Pompeo confirmed the Yahoo report by calling for all the people who spoke to the reporters to be criminally prosecuted. The purpose of extradition treaties are to bring people back to the nations where they committed their crimes. If you didn't ever set foot in a nation's jurisdiction, then they have no claim to lawfully extradite you. Julian Assange has never been within American jurisdiction. He published his articles and documents while working in the UK, where he's been imprisoned for two years in solitary confinement without charge. If President Biden is an honest man, he'll cancel the extradition request to the UK and abandon the American war on Julian Assange. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Science at DiffusionRadio.com Brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com Welcome to technological-led climate action. Welcome to the hydrogen revolution. By all means, have the world's biggest battery, have the world's biggest banana, have the world's biggest corn. Wind doesn't always blow, sun doesn't always shine. This is coal. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. The treasurer knows the rule on crops. It's coal. Bill Shorten wants to end the weekend when it comes to his policy on electric vehicles. I mean, 50% renewable energy is nuts. We rejected Labor's 45% emissions reduction target. They want economy-wrecking targets. You can't run a strong economy in Australia on a 45% emissions reduction target. Addressing climate change is a, is a challenge that we must do together. As Prime Minister, it's my job to bring people together. The Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison. Mining the sun. An Australian mining billionaire, Andrew Forrest, has found a way to turn cheap, clean solar power into expensive, dirty fuel. The only way to stop the world getting too hot and wild for us to live in is to cut carbon dioxide emissions to zero as soon as possible. That's real zero, not net zero with carbon offsets. In Australia, no action will be taken by government unless the mining companies that donate to their party make money from it. We've just had the federal government publicly elevate the National Party of Australia's Minister for Mining uh, Resources, Keith Pitt, to another seat in federal cabinet to get the party to agree on a plan for reducing climate change instead of making it worse. The National Party already chose the Deputy Prime Minister, who denies climate change. The National Party only gets, at most, 4.5% of the national vote in a federal election. 
The COP26 meeting looms closer. COP stands for Conference of the Parties, the United Nations Global Climate Summit in Glasgow, at which Australia will play the bad guys. Here's Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce yesterday on the National Party Agreement with the Prime Minister about 2050 emissions reduction targets. It's not going to be legislated, and that's the whole point. So what I can say is we, where we are right now, where we are right now is ahead. Whether you call it a goal, a target, whatever word you want to use, um, we're ahead of that. But what I can say, we've managed to get ahead of that uh, by not putting people out of a job, by not bringing in a carbon tax, by not shutting down coal mines. We've made sure that uh, there is no, uh, basically, uh, inflection or caveat that will affect uh, coal mining to uh, supply the global demand and by so doing underpin uh, the wealth of this, this nation, fossil fuels underpin the wealth of this nation. Yeah. The federal government was only willing to tackle the global COVID-19 pandemic by setting up an Australian National COVID Committee that was exclusively staffed with gas mining executives and who surprisingly came up with a report that suggested that the best public health measure for Australia was for the federal government to give lots of money to their gas mining companies. This helps explain why they made such a slow mess of getting the COVID-19 vaccines rolled out to the population and completely failed to vaccinate the people who were selected to receive the vaccine first. Disabled people and their carers, elderly people and their carers, and Aboriginal people in remote areas. Many of them are still waiting for their first vaccination appointments. After neglecting space science for decades, the Australian federal government has finally decided to build a robot moon rover for NASA. Only because they can give the money to the Woodside Petroleum Mining Company to build a robot to mine oxygen on the moon. After all, most mining in Australia is automated now and only employs a tiny number of people. It should come as no surprise that in the last eight years they've been in power, the federal government has attacked solar and wind power, cut out grants, increased fossil fuel subsidies, and banned the building of new renewable power stations on environmental grounds, while assisting new coal mines to be dug. Here's the newly elevated Minister for Resources, Keith Pitt, on renewable energy. Now the purpose of this bill is to abolish the Australian Renewable Energy Agency arena and whilst I acknowledge her passion and her, her deep-seated interest in renewables, we actually have to do things that work. I spoke in this place in 2015. I spoke against the renewable energy target. Remember, find me a solar panel that works in the dark. I mean, this is just a statement of fact, Mr Speaker. So enough with this nonsense. Right? We, we cannot run the country on something which turns off in the dark or when a cloud runs over. And here's National Party Senator Dr Anne Webster um, it, what Keith says is actually perfectly true. They don't, they don't work in the dark, and neither do our wind farms. But that's all different now that mining billionaires want to make hydrogen and ammonia fuel from renewable power. Burning ammonia fuel causes nitric oxide air pollution that damages the ozone layer, which harms vegetation, animals and humans. Most of the power goes into converting electricity to fuel and then into denser fuel, which means there's only 10 to 30% released when that fuel is finally burned, compared to 95% from batteries. The hydrogen economy has been trumpeted for nearly 100 years. 
and was successfully used in the 1990s to divert funds and policy away from electric cars, delaying them for over 20 years, while not giving us many hydrogen-powered cars, trucks or service station infrastructure. Instead, battery technology has improved massively, and solar power has improved exponentially. It produces much more power for much less cost every year. Hydrogen burning and even hydrogen fuel cell batteries are obsolete technology. Hydrogen fuel isn't available to be mined. You have to expend energy to make it. It's storage, not an energy source. The CSIRO have produced a Hydrogen Economy National Technological Plan that happens to allow fossil fuel miners to keep up business as usual. The plan is that you produce hydrogen both from putting an electric current through water to produce hydrogen and oxygen using solar and wind power, which they call green hydrogen, and heating coal in a chemical reaction with water to produce hydrogen and lots of carbon dioxide, which they call brown hydrogen, and heating natural gas to produce hydrogen in a chemical reaction with water that produces lots of carbon dioxide, which they call blue hydrogen, which the rest of the world calls grey hydrogen. Technically, it doesn't turn from grey to blue until you add effective carbon capture and storage, which doesn't exist. In their literature, the New South Wales Government Hydrogen Strategy calls both methane and coal production of hydrogen blue, and falsely claims that carbon capture and storage technologies can now prevent 90% of carbon dioxide emissions. In reality, carbon capture and storage technology produces more emissions than the tiny amounts it stores. It's a failure. Green hydrogen costs $5 per kilogram to produce, which is very expensive for fuel. Hydrogen is expensive to compress and store, and in either a liquid or gas form, it's very explosive. The largest part of Andrew Forrest's hydrogen plan calls for even more power to be used to convert the hydrogen into ammonia or methanol. You lose energy at every conversion stage. Ammonia is toxic to plants and animals. When you burn ammonia, you produce nitric oxides that destroy the ozone layer, causing ultraviolet damage to people, animals and plants. Burning methanol produces carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide. Andrew Forrest Fortescue plans to build a natural gas power station that would burn hydrogen gas along with the natural gas, generating lots of carbon dioxide. Why turn electricity into a gas to burn in a power station to make less electricity? It's like a battery-powered battery charger. Hydrogen is being used as a way to keep burning fossil natural gas in power stations while pretending to be green. So if Andrew Forrest of Fortescue Mining wants to lose money in an unprofitable technology, why should we care? The New South Wales State Government announced that they're granting Andrew Forrest $3 billion for his hydrogen scheme, with a promise that there will be a return of $600 million to the economy in 10 years' time. Simply putting the solar power into the electricity grid and selling it would be enormously cheaper for consumers. The New South Wales Government Hydrogen Plan is mostly about gifting money to Andrew Forrest's company. The New South Wales Government Hydrogen Plan is mostly about gifting money to Andrew Forrest's company. 
Fortescue will get exemption from government charges, 90% exemption from electricity network charges, money for electric hydrogen production, and money for an entire network of hydrogen refuelling service stations to be rolled out across New South Wales to compete with electric car recharging stations. There are not a lot of hydrogen-powered cars or trucks on the global market at this time. You cannot buy them in Australia. Hydrogen-burning cars have been in development since the last century, and there are also hydrogen fuel cell batteries for electric cars. However, electric cars powered by solar energy are cheaper to run than hydrogen cars powered by much more of the same solar power, since you waste power turning the electricity to hydrogen and then compressing it or converting it to ammonia. Surely the money would be better spent on solar-powered electric vehicle recharging infrastructure and reworking the state electricity grid to work better with renewable power. The federal government has put funds towards the national infrastructure of electric car and truck recharging stations. The New South Wales government intend that, like ethanol, hydrogen or its derivatives can be added to fossil fuels by cars and trucks once they've been modified at more than $5,000 extra per vehicle. Ammonia needs higher temperatures to burn than petrol. This way, they can keep burning fossil fuels in cars while claiming to be green. They want 10% hydrogen to be added to natural gas pipelines into people's homes, which sounds explosively dangerous. This way, you can keep burning fossil fuel to cook and heat while pretending to be green. Green hydrogen can be used instead of coking coal to make steel. That's a genuinely better process. Some shipping companies are developing ammonia-burning engines to replace the bunk fossil fuel that they currently burn. Bunk is the most polluting fossil fuel we have, and shipping companies use it because it's the cheapest fuel we have. Ammonia will have to magically not only become cheaper than the solar power it stores, but also cheaper than bunk. Other companies are cutting out the mining middleman and just powering ships with solar panels. You could use solar power to make hydrogen as a way to store power for nighttime use and cloudy days. To firm the network. But that's not part of the National New South Wales or Fortescue hydrogen plants. There are new technologies being developed to convert solar energy directly into hydrogen without losing so much energy by splitting water into hydrogen and oxygen, but these are not part of the National New South Wales or Fortescue hydrogen plants. Here's Sky News presenter Tom Connell interviewing Federal Resources Minister Keith Pitt on why he banned the construction of a dispatchable wind power station. Okay, so can you tell me though what size, for a 157 megawatt wind farm, what size battery do you need to make it dispatchable? Uh, well, Tom, what I can tell you is that intermittent wind and solar... Is, that's a not, basic question. ..is not dispatchable. But it is with a battery if it's big enough. Uh, well, I've made a decision based on what... Yeah, but hang on, but that's just a basic question. I know you've got an engineering background. Hmm. Solar or wind is not dispatchable unless it has a battery. That's true, right? Depending on the size of the battery. Oh, well, unless it's got other sources. It could be hybrid, it could be gas, it could be uh, tied up with a hydro, it could be pumped hydro. There's any number of combinations. Battery. could be diesel. could be battery. Uh, it could be any number of things. But it could be a battery. <laughs> Tom, as I've said many times. Well, yeah, I just don't understand why you won't agree that it could be... that a battery can back up 
a wind farm? Uh, well, as I've said, it comes down to a whole pile of decisions, including uh, capacity, availability... But I'm not going to that. I'm just asking, can a battery back up a wind farm? Uh, well, once again, how, how big is it? How long does it run for? What right. is it you want it to do? Well, a big enough battery, can it back up a wind farm? Well, this is pretty broad and hypothetical, Tom. <laughs> well, it just seems like a simple question. If a battery's big enough, it can back up a wind farm, right? Mm, how big's big enough? Well, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> That's the exact question. OK, all right, we'll move on. Don't mention the batteries. But where will the renewable power to make Fortescue's green hydrogen come from if Mr Forrest is not planning to build any renewable power stations? Since hydrogen is not an energy source, but a storage source, the power has to come from somewhere. Hydrogen to ammonia and methanol is power hungry and thirsty. The New South Wales Hydrogen Strategy is a 50-page booklet. You finally get a mention of new renewable power stations on page 31. The New South Wales State Government has an electricity plan called Renewable Energy Zones, coordinated by their New South Wales Energy Company, not Andrew Forrest Fortescue. So the solar and wind power won't come from Andrew Forrest's $3 billion grant, but provided by the New South Wales State Government in separate funding. The first renewable power station and battery firming from the Renewable Energy Zones plan is expected to start construction in 2022 and be up and running in central west Orana region several years later. It could be solar, wind or both. Who knows? This first renewable power station and firming battery will cost the New South Wales government an extra $40 million. Presumably Fortescue gets priority in its power output over consumers? The New South Wales government is in the early stages of planning a second renewable energy power station and firming battery in the New England region of New South Wales. This region is also close to the existing high voltage power lines that connect New South Wales east coast to Queensland. The New South Wales government has approved pumped hydroelectric storage for the region. The state government have committed to spend $78.9 million on this second renewable power station, which is still being planned. A third renewable power station is proposed for Hay, close to a proposed high-voltage interconnector between New South Wales and South Australia. The last two renewable power stations to make up the five zones are proposed for the Illawarra and Hunter regions, which are coal mining areas. There are no construction dates yet. If the renewable energy zone projects take longer than planned to build, then the hydrogen needed by Fortescue may well be made from coal or gas. So Mr Forrest's Fortescue company gets $3 billion to take cheap, clean power from solar and wind power stations that the New South Wales state government is funding and turn the electricity into expensive poisonous fuel that produces air pollution destroying the ozone layer in order to power cars and trucks in competition with electric cars powered from the same power stations at extra expense through a new network of hydrogen fueling stations. Thus, by finding a way to enrich mining billionaires, Australia is allowed to start decarbonising at last. And the final words from Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce. I want to make sure that uh, what, where we end up is a position, if it's going forward, that takes our people uh, not backwards, to, that uh, takes, them, takes them forward. That's just, yes. That is so vitally important. 
So you see, women need to know as much about science as some men do. Maybe you won't be another Edison, but, but how do you know you won't? <laughs> Edison may not have been a scientist when he was your age either. But the sciences, chemistry, biology and physics all give you a chance to discover while you're still in school where your interests are. Maybe so, but won't there still be some jobs where you can get by without science? <laughs> That'll be the day. Whatever you work at, son, you're still a citizen with the power to vote. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness, but it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively to promote peace and, and give the world freedom from want? It'll be up to you, and you too. Yeah, I see what you mean. It gives a fellow a lot to think about. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at emwolf. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin MacLeod or Mincompetech.com. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the Community Radio Network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2 MVR in Nambaka Valley, 3 MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7 LTN in Los Angeles, Tasmania, and 2 XFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in Northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com, where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf or join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolf. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.